0: Christians, hasten to help your brothers in the East, for they are being attacked. Arm for the rescue of Jerusalem under your captain, Christ. Wear his cross as your badge. Pope Urban II, calling the First Crusade against the Seljuk Turks, 1095. Welcome to the Revisionist History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight no matter who it might offend. I'm Paul, and today we're going to finally jump into a subject I've alluded to multiple times in previous episodes, but hesitated to take on because it's such a daunting and also extremely controversial topic. I finally came to the decision to wade in slowly with an episode type that's been popular for the past several episodes. Thus, I give you the top three myths of the Crusades. One of the biggest problems with studying the history of the Crusades is not just the revisionist aspect, but the fact that the history itself has been so politicized. Radical Islamist terrorists have taken up the Crusades and their own twisting of the history of the Crusades to further their cause among the general Muslim population. The facts are that there were numerous atrocities on both sides, military successes and failures on both sides, acts of bravery and chivalry on both sides, and enduring distrust on both sides as a result of the Crusades. But there are a few persistent myths and revisions that need to be addressed, and that's as good a place as any for us to begin. The first and probably most persistent myth Is that the Crusades were called to convert Muslims to Christianity. As was the case in the Reconquista in Spain and the later battles to recover Eastern European lands, Hungary, Romania, the Balkans, etc., from the Ottomans, the Crusades in the Holy Land were intended to recover previously Christian lands that had been conquered by the Muslims. It's almost completely forgotten today that North Africa was predominantly Christian for 600 years, from the first century to the seventh century, when Arab armies overran it. St. Augustine, for example, one of the four doctors of the Western Church, was from what is now Algeria. An even more pressing reason for the Crusades, apart from any plans of reconquest, was that although pilgrimages to the Christian holy sites in Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Galilee, and other parts of ancient Israel, had been allowed for centuries by the Muslim rulers, in recent years, pilgrims had begun to be attacked and even killed, effectively closing off to Christians the places where Jesus was born, lived, died, and rose again. The Crusaders were not seeking to convert Muslim lands, but to, finally, after 400 years, rescue Christian ones. This is an unpopular view today. But historical facts are often unpopular. The second persistent myth is that men joined the crusades not out of religious piety, but to gain lands, wealth, and glory. This revision of the historical facts is one that started with those opposed to Victorian-era colonialism and has only intensified in our current climate that has culturally speaking virtually no concept of a time and place when religion took precedence over all worldly concerns. Ironically, the Crusaders true motives would be better understood today by a devout Muslim in Tehran than by an agnostic in Toledo. The Crusaders were men who truly believed they were answering the call of God to liberate the Holy land. And contrary to the common belief today, There was very little wealth to be gained the lands themselves were often harsh and inhospitable as many of these areas are to the present day there were no mountains of gold as the conquistadors found in peru and mexico and since the crusaders raised their own armies and financed their expeditions themselves their expenses usually outweighed any plunder they gained and instead of setting up their own little kingdoms most in fact returned home as soon as their vows were fulfilled. It's crucial to remember that the Crusaders went voluntarily, and many, if not most, did not expect to survive, and an alarming number did not. Even in 1095, there were easier ways to get rich. Our third pervasive myth can be summed up with one word, Saladin. I use only his name, because his name alone conjures up contradictory images, depending on who you ask. Counterintuitively, he's almost more revered today in the West than in the Muslim world. That the man who retook Jerusalem, and most of the Holy Land except for Tyre, from the Crusaders would be looked upon well by Christians today, is perhaps his greatest self-promotion legacy. Much of what we think about Saladin was true, at least in large part. He was generous to a fault. He was a devout Muslim. He even, very briefly, united the Muslim world. But like any master politician, and he was far more politician than anything else, Saladin looked out most for the interests of Saladin. We know he defeated the Crusaders on numerous occasions but on others he negotiated with the Franks, especially when it benefited him in an internal Muslim power struggle. He fought Italian crusaders, but at the same time bought wood and other materials from Italy to build his fleet. He was, in short, neither the romantic hero who was more Christian than the Christians, nor the equivalent of an Arab George Washington as some Muslims regard him today. In fact, he was virtually forgotten in the Muslim world until he was resurrected in the early 20th century as a type of warrior imam icon and that icon has been twisted to such a degree to such a perverse manner that Saddam Hussein considered himself the second coming of Saladin that my friends historical revisionism now in some future episodes we'll take on a few more myths and delve more deeply into all of them including the false narrative popular today that the Islamic world learned to hate Christians in the West as a result of the Crusades here's a brief sneak peek at the answer until it became convenient as a propaganda tool in the early 20th century most Muslims for nearly 800 years saw the Crusades as a minor footnote, a weak, failed attempt to take a land that was theirs. You may wonder why we should care about the myths of the Crusades, or about correcting them. Well, we should precisely because the revisionist history is being peddled wholesale in an unfortunately successful attempt to stoke hatred around the globe. Getting the history right won't automatically change that, but it's a step in the right direction. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you found it both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to help us keep episodes like this coming please consider clicking on the support this podcast link in the show notes. It'll go a long way towards helping us create more episodes and hopefully becoming completely ad free. Thanks a lot.